You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. I do want to share my testimony and then just a, a short message that the Lord's laid on my heart. You know, growing up in a, a religious Jewish community, growing up in a religious Jewish home, I didn't have a lot of opportunities to meet people that, that weren't Jewish, just as I'm assuming most of you probably haven't had a lot of opportunities to meet people that are Jewish. Uh, the first time that I'd ever met somebody that I knew wasn't Jewish was in the third grade, and his name was David. And the only reason I knew he wasn't Jewish was because he told me he was a Christian. Uh, he tried to invite me to go to church with him, but being brought up in a religious Jewish home, I wasn't allowed to go to church. But he started praying for me, and he would try and witness to me from time to time as the Holy Spirit allowed. And, and I remember on, on several occasions telling David, I told him, if Jesus Christ was truly the Messiah, if he would come down and tap me on the shoulder and tell me he was, well, then I'd believe it. Well, the only problem was that he, he did that over 2,000 years ago. He fulfilled every prophecy. But I believe many of the people back then didn't believe, probably for the same reason I didn't. See, I just had no desire to know the truth. And it doesn't matter if you're Jewish or you're Gentile or whatever uh, family background you have or religious background you have, it makes absolutely no difference. Because if you don't want to know the truth, all people could do is pray for you, invite you to church, and look for opportunities through the leading of the Holy Spirit to share the Word of God. Now, I'm the youngest of four children. Uh, my oldest sister, Sherry, is eight and a half years older than I am. She only missed two questions on her SAT. She got a full scholarship to Cornell University, and she was second on the dean's list. Uh, she worked full-time and went to Loyola Law School, and she was first on the dean's list. My brother, Mark's two years younger than her. Uh, he got a full scholarship to Northwestern University. He's a chemical engineer, and he was fifth on the dean's list. So it didn't take me very long growing up to realize it was sort of pointless trying to compete with them academically. So I got involved in sports. So by the time I was in ninth grade, I was punting almost 40 yards. The first year of high school, the varsity coach told me I'd be on the varsity team my first year. The summer before that, I was working at a Jewish camp over the summer, and I talked to my parents over the summer, and they told me they were planning on moving. And I tried to convince them that that was a bad idea. But, of course, I didn't have much sway. And the area they had moved to that had been redistricting in the high school that they didn't know about, so the high school I was going to have to attend, their academics were, were very, very low. And the only way I could go to the better high school was to obtain an academic permit, but one of the conditions of that permit was you're not allowed to play sports because they didn't want people changing high schools just so they could pay on a better team and I would have played on a much better team. Jeff Fisher was a year ahead of me in high school who was the youngest coach in the NFL of the Tennessee Titans and the Rams. 
But the only way I could get a regular permit was every year they would take 20 names out of a bowl and give them a regular permit. So two years in a row, I tried to get a regular permit, but let me explain to you that the lottery didn't work then and it doesn't work now. I didn't get a permit. It was my second semester, 11th grade. I did not like high school. I took my GED, I graduated early, and I went straight to community college. But after spending a year in college, I realized there was something missing in my life. Now, I had no clue what it was. I just knew that there was this huge void. So I figured I'd try something different. So I did. I enlisted in the U.S. Army for three years. And, and let me tell you, that didn't fill that void. I was a helicopter crew chief, a co-pilot. I got to go to a lot of neat places and do a lot of neat things. But again, there, there was something missing. So my enlistment was up. I moved back home with my parents. I'd work full-time during the day. I'd go to college at night. But every six months to a year, I would change jobs. I would change majors. I'd even change colleges because I figured if I kept doing that, eventually I was going to find that thing that was going to fill that void. Well, it's October of 1986, and I mean, I am miserable. I've tried everything the world had to offer, good, bad, or ugly. I tried all of it, but nothing filled that void. Well, here's my friend David for the last almost 14 years trying to get me to go to church with him. And I figured if I went to church with him once, I'll tell him I don't like it, and he'll finally leave me alone. But see, there was one huge problem for me to get up on a Sunday morning and put a suit and tie on. Well, let me tell you the huge red flags that's going to send up for my parents. Because in Judaism, you celebrate the Lord's Day from Friday night at sundown until Saturday night at sundown. Now, I know some of your younger people might not understand this, but in 1986, it was against the law to work on Sunday. No one worked on Sunday. So I was trying to figure out a way around it, and it finally dawned on me, if I would spend Saturday night at my friend David's house, well, then my parents, they're not going to know where I'm at Sunday morning. But keep in mind, I was 23 years old. And I went with David to Faith Baptist Church in Canoga Park, California, and I started hearing things that I had never heard before. But don't be mistaken, it wasn't that my friend David never tried to tell me. The problem was I was never willing to listen. So I started going to church with him three times a week, and Saturday nights I'd stay at his house. It came the end of November, and I went to David, and I told him, I want to know the truth. What can I do? He says, get a King James Bible. Start reading in John and Romans and pray and ask God to show you the truth, and he will. And I laughed at David. I told him, I've prayed to God, I don't know, five, 10,000 times in my life, and God has never answered one of those prayers. Why in the world is he going to answer one now? And he says, Jay, you need to pray in Jesus' name. Now, you might not understand what a difficult thing that is for a Jewish person to do because Satan has used churches in the name of Jesus Christ, to torture and murder Jews throughout the century that he's made the name of Jesus Christ offensive to Jewish people. But I was at a, a place in my life, I, I really felt I had nothing to lose. So I prayed in Jesus' name, and I started reading the Word of God. And let me tell you, that was the first prayer that God ever answered. See, he had lifted that veil 
It was amazing the things that I could start to see and, and understand from reading the Word of God. You know, it's an amazing thing of what we can find in God's Word if we just want to know the truth. So I'm reading, I'm praying, I'm studying, I'm going to church three times a week. And if you have your Bible, if you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. I had finished reading in, in John and Romans, and I knew nothing about, about the Word of God. So I decided I'm going to start reading in Genesis, and I'm going to start reading in Matthew. And this is February of 1987, and I came to Matthew chapter 10. And if you have your Bible and you'll follow with me, this is what Jesus said starting in verse 34. He said, Think not that I have come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man at variance against his father and daughter against her mother and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes are they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Now there's a parallel passage in, in Micah chapter 7. So it didn't matter in the Old Testament. It didn't matter at the time of Christ. And it didn't matter in 1987 or even today. If you're an Orthodox or an ultra-Orthodox Jew and you convert to another religion, your family will have a physical funeral for you. I'm talking about a full-size casket and flowers and they bury in the ground and you're dead. And if they saw you on the street, they wouldn't even acknowledge that you existed. Now, growing up in a conservative Jewish home, it was still about a 50-50 chance that's what my family would do. And this is sort of in the back of my mind every day as I pray and I read and I study the Word of God. It was April. The second Sunday in April, 1987, and after the service that morning, Brother Gregory, the song leader, he came outside and he's talking to me. He's asking me questions. I knew all the answers to the questions. See, it makes no difference what we know up here. It's what we believe in here. But see, that Sunday morning, I think I finally realized in my heart that thing that I had been searching for for all those years, that happiness, that peace, that joy, it wasn't out in the world. It was having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I accepted him as my personal Savior Sunday morning. Sunday night, I went forward for a public profession of faith. By Wednesday night, I was working in junior high Iwana. Thursday, I was on visitation. Saturday, visitation, working on a bus route every Sunday. All I knew was that, that I wanted to serve the Lord. And when David asked me to read in John and Romans, I picked my life verses out of John chapter 15, starting in verse 16. It says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain and that whatsoever ye ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command ye, that ye love one another. Every morning, I praise the Lord for my salvation. But every morning... I praise the Lord that I had a friend named David who never gave up on me, who kept praying for me and trying to witness to invite me to church for almost 14 years. I think that's one of the biggest things that's missing in our churches today. That's the kind of love we're supposed to have for one another. You know, just think about a third grade boy 
just praying every day, I want to see my best friend Jay know Jesus. Because of the the society we're in, everything's about instant gratification. I have to have it now. And I, I think we allow that to creep into our lives. And that we pray for somebody, we invite somebody to church, we witness to them week after week, month after month, maybe even year after year, and nothing happens. Unfortunately, what I believe happens most often is that that we just give up because we don't see the results we want. See, Paul said, I planted Apollos water, but God giveth the increase. I can't save anybody, and neither can you. But God can't force us to serve Him any more than He can force us to get saved. We all have a free will. And all I knew is that, that I wanted to serve the Lord. Now, I'd get involved in every kind of ministry I could find at church to try and, and, and figure out where the Lord wanted me to serve Him. Now, God has blessed my kids with amazing mu- musical abilities. And trust me, they get it from my wife because I have absolutely none and I still joined the choir. And there were two twins, the benders, and one would be on either side of me, and I'd be about a half a step in front, so they'd sing in my ear so I could at least try and harmonize. You know, God's given each and every one of us some natural abilities and talents, but music wasn't one of them. But I just kept praying and seeking the Lord of what He wanted for my life. It was August that he showed me that he wanted me to be in full-time service. So I'd sent my application off to Bible college. It came back in October approved. I'm leaving in December. And I was still spending Saturday at my friend David's house because I had no idea how my family would react. When I talked to my parents and my sister who's closest to my age, Ronnie, I think sort of in the back of their mind, they figured this is just another one of Jay's phases Give him six months or he'll just be on to something else. But when I started trying to witness to them and when I tried to get them to read the Old Testament because that's what Jewish people claim they believe and they all refused and they told me if I want to have anything to do with my family, I couldn't talk to them about God. My brother Mark disowned me. He wouldn't speak to me or write me or see me. And about a year and a half after I was saved, he moved and he told the rest of my family not to give me his address or phone number where he was living. My oldest sister, Sherry, she wouldn't speak to me for over two years. She refused to come to our wedding and we thought that was the only time any of my family was ever going to hear a clear plan of salvation. I praise the Lord they did, but every day I prayed that the Lord Jesus Christ would put a David in my family's life. Somebody that they wouldn't listen to me, but somebody that could be a witness and a testimony to them. After we got married, my wife and I, Kathy, we would do anything we could to try and get my parents to come to church. We'd put off dedicating our children till they'd come to visit us so they'd come to church. My oldest son, Jared, plays the piano. My pastor would let him play Israeli music So my parents would come to church. And so often, my dad, I talked to him almost every weekend, my parents, and so often my dad would would tell me how proud he was of me, of this huge change he'd seen in my life. And every time I tell my dad, it's not me, it's what Jesus has done. And one time I remember my dad telling me, saying, Jay, I know, I just wish it would have been something else. See, my dad was so bitter against God. He lost half his family in the Holocaust. 
And we'd go to synagogue every time the doors were open, but he, he wanted to have nothing to do with having a personal relationship with God. It was all about tradition. It was all about family. And we'd try and, and, and witness to him and be a testimony to him. It was now February of 2002. Talked to my dad on, on a Friday, and he told me they, they had just finished doing testing, and they found out he had acute leukemia. And because of other health issues, they couldn't do a bone marrow transplant. Hospice had already come into my parents' home, and they said he might have three or four months left. And I just determined that I was going to go and share the gospel with him. I didn't really care what consequences there might be. My sister Ronnie was going to go out that following Saturday, and I was going to go out the week after. Talked to my dad the next Friday night, and he, he was in good spirits. We were joking around. But Saturday morning, my mom called me up, and she told me that my dad passed away overnight. You know, I had a really hard time trying to understand why God wouldn't just give me one more chance to try and witness to my dad. But you know, our ways aren't God's way. And sometimes we get so bitter at God because He's not doing things the way we think He should do. But I can promise you when we get to heaven that any time we don't understand, he'll, he'll show us why He did what He did. But sometimes we don't have to wait that long. And I, I went out and my, my mother and my sister and I were sitting in the funeral home and the funeral director turned to my mom and she asked her if she had a rabbi to perform my dad's funeral. And my mom turned to me, and she says, Jay, would you do dad's funeral? Now, my dad is buried in a Jewish cemetery. My sister, my oldest sister, and my brother refused to come to my dad's funeral. But let me tell you, he had a Baptist funeral. And hundreds of people heard the gospel. See, God doesn't make mistakes. He knows exactly what he's doing. And he knew that my dad had no desire to have a relationship with him. And I just would have been pushy and probably upset my mom that I probably wouldn't have had that opportunity. The problem is that, that we get into the flesh instead of letting the Holy Spirit work. But I would try... Every time my mom came to visit us, every time, at least once a year, I would try and witness to my mom. Two years later, she, she got Alzheimer's. She couldn't drive anymore. She couldn't live on her own anymore. My sister started taking care of her. But again, at least once a year, I would try, if at all possible, to go out and visit her and try and witness to her. It was 2000. In 12, I started getting a little bit better relationship with my oldest sister, Sherry. She had never invited me to her home from 1987 till 2012. She invited me to her home for a Hanukkah celebration that comes around the same time that, that uh, Christmas does each year. But my brother always came. And I asked Sherry if Mark was coming, and she says, I believe so. Now, I haven't spoken or heard from my brother since 1988 till 2012. And I just kept praying that the Holy Spirit would give me an opportunity to, to say something. You know, I think so often we expect God to knock down walls and kick down doors, but I think it's extreme. I have never heard of a Jewish person getting witnessed to once and getting saved. 
And I don't even know today in the time we are that, that it, it happens unless somebody else had been watering and planting. But I just kept praying the Lord would give me an opportunity to say something. And we were, we're sitting at dinner and my, my nephew Adam just out of the blue, he turns and says, Jay, I know you converted to being a Baptist. Now that you moved back to Israel, did you convert back to Judaism? And very emphatically, I said, no, I'm still a Baptist. God will let us plant and water in his time in the opportunity he provides. And, and I try to use the analogy of a garden because you plant a seed, then you water, then you weed, then you water, then you weed. And you keep doing that over and over again. And Lord willing, eventually there's a harvest. And it, it's no difference with trying to uh, witness and, and be a testimony to people. And it, if you're grounded in the Word of God and you're, this is your basis for what you do, I can guarantee you when you get to heaven, there'll be people there that you had no idea were watching you. I don't know how many times at secular jobs people would make fun of me and make jokes about me, but they'd have a major crisis in their life and sometimes they'd come and ask me to pray for them because they knew there was something different. The next year, uh, I went out to see my mom and I was going out to dinner with my sister and brother-in-law and my brother was supposed to come and my sister Sherry said, I just don't think he's coming because he has such bad back problems he can't even sit in a chair. But we had just gotten into the restaurant. We were sitting down, and, and my brother Mark started walking in. You know, God has a plan and a purpose and controls every aspect of our life if we'd let him. And, and my sister Sherry is a perfectionist. Uh, she has a personalized license plate that says Terminator, and it's not because she's an Arnold Schwarzenegger fan, it's because she's fired so many people at work that don't live up to her standard. So she's not one for giving compliments. But we had finished dinner and we were getting ready to leave, and she just bent over and gave me a hug and whispered in my ear saying, Jay, you're a great dad. And I know that doesn't mean a lot to you. But see, my family did not agree with what changed my life, but they saw a change, and they knew there was something different about me. And as much as they didn't like it, they respected it. When, whenever my dad would come to visit us, he, he would never tell an off-color joke, he would never swear, he was extremely respectful, because they knew that there was something different. The next year in 2014, Seth and I went out. We saw my mom twice that week, and the first time she, she couldn't comprehend anything. But the second time we saw her, it, it was truly a miracle because my sister would see her at least once a week, and most of the time she wouldn't recognize who she was. But every time I saw my mom, she knew who I was. But I started trying to share the gospel with her just very simply and repetitively because she was understanding what I was saying. And after about 20 minutes, I started asking her questions to see if she really understood what I'd been talking to her about. And she understood everything I had said. And I said, Mom, do you want to pray and ask the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Savior, your Messiah, that you could be in heaven? And she bowed her head and she prayed, and she asked Jesus to save her. 
from 1987 to 2014. See, God doesn't want us giving up on anybody until they're gone or He comes back. Five months later, she went home to be with the Lord. God knows exactly what He's doing. If you can turn with me to Proverbs 20, in verse 6, The Lord says, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. Every day, I try and remember where the Lord has brought me from because I deserve to go to hell just as much today as I did the day before I was saved. It's by the grace of God that I'm saved. And God has blessed us so much he's putting you into a, an amazing church that's teaching and preaching the word of god but i think so often satan uses pride to puff us up to where we we meet somebody who's mormon or catholic or or jehovah's witness and and i think sometimes we come across as condescending look looking down on them because we know the truth and we have it but it's by the grace of god that we do and I truly believe if we, if we would have a broken heart and a contrite, humble spirit and we would remember what God's done for us every day that we could accomplish so much more for Christ because we're coming across as the way we should because it's just by the grace of God we know Him. You know, God has brought you together as, as one body of believers and we're, Jews were supposed to be the light to the Gentiles, but they weren't. They were supposed to be the light to the world. And, and God had another plan. As the church, we're supposed to be the light. And I truly believe that when, when people in this area think of this church, and God has blessed you with amazing facilities, but I think most of the time when people think of this church, they think of the people they know that are members of this church because that's the church. It's not a building. It's a body of believers that are jointly fit together to serve Him. And your congregation is unique from any other congregation in the world because each and every one of you have different abilities and talents and spheres of influence that no other church has. But, you know, if we're missing a few fingers or a few toes or an arm or a leg, we can't accomplish what God has for us to serve Him as a body of believers. You know, God has blessed me with a gift. It's a gift. It's not an ability. It's just a gift that I was born into a Jewish home. And just because I was born into a Jewish home that gave me the ability to immigrate to Israel and have dual citizenship. He gave me a gift that 99.9% .9 other Christians don't have. Now, how can I not use that for the Lord? Now, when I was first called to preach, I might have 10 or 15 pages of notes and I'd be done in 10 or 15 minutes. See, I hated being up in front of people. If you would have known me before I was saved, it would blow your mind that I'm standing here today. 
because I hated being up in front of people. If there was a play at school, I would rather do stagecraft. I would rather do lighting. I would rather clean toilets than be up in front of people. But you know, we're a new creature. Behold, all things have passed away. Become all things become new. And if we're just willing to use the talents and ability that God has already given us, He'll give us whatever else we need to fulfill His will for our life. God wants to accomplish so much through us. I think so often we get discouraged because we see how, how different it, and how more difficult it's getting. But see, we know we're on the winning side. We know how it ends. And I tell people all the time, it's ha hard to have a Paulician church in a Laodicean age. But I praise God every day that we were able to, to, to leave and move to Israel in 2008 because I had never seen in my lifetime things change so drastically in the eight years of Obama. I'd never seen such rapidly the change in, in bringing back the Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming soon. But I use the analogy of the lighthouse because we're supposed to be the light to the world. But unfortunately, so many churches today have this idea that if I'm this far away from the world, that I'm doing okay. And as the world keeps getting darker and darker and darker, we're just this far behind them. But I believe, and the Word of God teaches us, that if we, we're supposed to be a peculiar people. We're not supposed to change. There's supposed to be something different about us and if we would just stay with the foundations and the doctrines that God's given us and stay with those and not be adding to and doing things we think they're gonna, uh, the world's going to appreciate because they're not, that as the world gets darker and darker and darker, our light is going to shine brighter and brighter and brighter. And it's not because of anything we've done. It's just because the world's gotten so dark. God has so much for us to accomplish. When I was saved, I thought that the next day I'm going to be perfect. I'm not going to sin anymore. I had a lot of zeal. I didn't have a lot of knowledge. But as we grow in, in, in the grace and, and the nurture and admonition and rightly divide the Word of God, God works in our heart. But so often, we let the cares of the world and, and when I was saved, this huge burden was lifted off my shoulders of all these things that I was worrying about that I had absolutely no control over. There's very little we can actually control. But the one thing I, I know I control is being a faithful man, being a faithful servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the one thing that I know I can control. And if we would focus on the things of God instead of the things of the world, you know, God promises He's going to provide for our needs. And, and I could spend over an hour giving you specific instant after instance how God's taken care of us. Now, He provides for our needs, not our wants, but our needs. God has so much for you. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, I do praise you, Lord, so much for the opportunity to be here tonight, Lord, and, 
and how you've blessed my family and I already so much just in the, the short time we've been here and the, and the fellowship with Pastor Lord. Lord, I, I don't know anybody here, but I, I do know you know every single person that's here tonight, Lord. You know what you want to accomplish, Lord. And, and I would just pray, Lord, that, that everybody here tonight would be open to your will for their life and, and the leading of the Holy Spirit and guiding them, Lord. I, I don't know if there's somebody here that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, but, but I do know there's people here that would take the Word of God and, and show them if they want to know the truth. But I do believe the vast majority of the people here tonight do know you as their personal Savior, Lord. And, and my desire is that you would just have honor and glory and in everybody's life each and every day. But I do pray that the Holy Spirit might be bringing a, a name or a face before each of us tonight. Maybe it's a friend, a neighbor, a co-worker, a loved one that, that, that we've just given up on, that we've stopped praying for or witnessing to or inviting to church. And I just pray each of us would have a renewed vision for the lost tonight. And again, I pray you'd have all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.